Well, to Ukraine now, where Russian drones have struck a hospital in the city of Kherson, damaging one of the units and injuring a doctor as well. That's according to Ukrainian officials. Now, they said that Ukraine's air defences shot down 30 out of 31 Russian drones over 11 regions across the country early on Saturday. Moscow has denied targeting Ukraine's civilian infrastructure. Ukraine is critically dependent on both EU and US funding as it continues to fight occupying Russian forces. And Mr Zelensky visited Washington at the start of the week to call for more money from Congress without success. Members of the House of Representatives have already left Washington for the holidays, but senators will be back next week to try and hammer out a deal that includes aid for Ukraine and immigration reform. And our news partner, CBS, is reporting that Senate negotiators hope to have the framework of a deal as early as Sunday. Well, meanwhile, support from the EU hit a stumbling block as well when Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban blocked 50 billion euros in EU aid for Ukraine just hours after an agreement was reached on starting membership talks. And I spoke earlier with Sergei Radchenko, a professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies, on Ukraine's challenges as Russia's Vladimir Putin pledges to dig in. Sergei, thank you for being with us. I'd like to begin by touching on President Putin's press conference earlier this week. Uh, he appeared confident when it came to speaking about the war in Ukraine. He said there would be no peace until Russia's goals are met. What did you make of what he had to say? I think exactly that's what he said. He said that Russian aims have not changed. Uh, he did not really elaborate this, although he did talk about so-called denazification and demilitarization. Those are things that he has talked about repeatedly throughout this conflict. But he claimed great successes by the Russian military. Now, of course, this uh, press conference of his comes in the wake of um, uh, I would say failure of the Ukrainian counteroffensive and uh, a, a sense that there's a kind of a fatigue, a growing fatigue in the West. And I think Putin was trying to build on that to project confidence and and project, uh, you know, his his certainty in uh, end in this war in his terms. That's how he tried to come across. Do you think there's any sense of growing fatigue with the war or special operation as it's known? In Russia, though, I mean, he did say in that press conference that there'll be no further mobilization. Do you think he'll he stick did. to that? He did. You have to remember as well that Putin is looking at an election a few months from now, and you could almost sense from some of the questions that were being posed to him that there is great concern among the people, both about the war itself, where it's going, but also about the economic situation in the country. Inflation was brought up, for example. Um, so Putin, I think, is very anxious to uh, project a confidence and to uh, calm down the people before the election, suggesting that he is on the right track and the country is on the right track. Do you think they can trust his word when it comes to mobilization? I don't think that those words can be trusted. Putin said that there would be no mobilization, but he has said this kind of things before and then reneged on his promises. He added when he talked about there not being mobilization, he said for now, there is no need for it for now. But of course, this for now can change any moment. And if Russia contemplates serious uh, operations, military operations in Ukraine into the spring, uh, it seems clear that they will require more people for that. Uh, uh, so the meat grinder is likely to continue. They will have to draw on more mobilized uh, servicemen. 
I want to touch on the domestic economic situation as well in Russia. I mean, you just mentioned there that high inflation. We also know um, that there are workforce shortages due to the ongoing uh, war right now. I just wonder whether you think that could pose any potential problems for President Putin as he seeks uh, to take his fifth term in power. Well, I think he will try to maintain public discussion within certain bounds. The purpose of this press conference was to suggest a degree of pluralism almost, you know, this idea of the Tsar coming down to the people and uh, even face, you know, facing even some criticism. Uh, but I think the reality in Russia is that the propaganda machine is still very much in control and uh, Putin is unlikely to face any real opposition. I mean, he will not face any real opposition, let's put it straight like this, it will be a fake election. Uh, so uh, he is somewhat worried, I'm sure, because he's approaching an election. That's why he's putting on this whole show. But uh, he can be re reasonably uh, confident, I think, in, in winning it since he's not going to face any opposition. Well, talking about that opposition, we know that at least three figures are behind bars right now, including the Russian dissident Alexei Navalny. And the U.S. State Department says that they are very concerned that they haven't heard any news about him for at least a week with regards to his whereabouts. What do you think could be happening there? Well, it's, of course, very worrying. Uh, Alexei Navalny's lawyers have not been able to get in touch with him. Uh, some indications uh, are there that he may be in the process of being moved somewhere else. Um, that's a possibility. Of course, we can also be concerned about his health because we know that he was put into strict isolation for prolonged periods of time. Conditions in Russian prisons are horrible and all the more horrible for uh, political activists and opposition leaders uh, like Alexei Navalny. You know, Putin seems to derive almost sadistic pleasure from this sort of situation. So Putin, uh, Putin uh, Navalny incommunicado with the rest of the world, uh, sort of disappearing him and not, not saying anything about him in the press conference is very much, very much on, on style for Putin. And we did also hear him talk at that press conference about Evan Gershkovich for the first time, of course, the imprisoned Wall Street Journal correspondent, saying that he would be open to a deal, quote unquote, that is mutually acceptable to the United States. I mean, what do you think he means by that? Is he serious about that? What could a deal look like? So I thought this was a very interesting moment of the press conference. Valerie Hopkins of New York Times raised this question about Ivan Gershkovich. Of course, uh, he has been held uh, in, in Russia on completely ridiculous charges. Um, and uh, um, uh, there's been some discussion of his possible exchange for maybe a Russian spy or somebody like that uh, in the West. Uh, we know that negotiations have been taking place behind the scenes, but obviously Ivan Gershkovich is still behind bars in Russia, so uh, an agreement has not been reached. Uh, Putin, I think, publicly spoke about this. Um, and that suggests that uh, obviously negotiations continue, but he's obviously, you know, a angling for some major concessions on the part of Western countries to to get uh, Ivan Gershkovich back. You know, this is hostage taking. Uh, that's that's what it is. He's taking the hostages and he's demanding, he's blackmailing the West uh, to to pay him to get him back. Okay, Sergei Radchenko, thank you for being with us here on BBC News.